Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. The reading this morning is from Matthew, chapter 1, reading from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief chief priests and teachers of the law, He asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
Well, um, this week I was out on a walk um, the morning with my daughter Zoe and um, we are walking the streets of Williamstown and from quite far away I spotted a house um, which was absolutely laden with beautiful decorations for Christmas. There was a giant Santa, there was angel, uh, not angels, I think there were like three um, reindeers on the roof that were all lit up. Um, the whole garden was absolutely filled with decorations and, um, and different things that were just completely glitzy and, um, and it was so eye-catching from like maybe seven, eight houses away. It was completely easy to spot. But as we got closer, um, I was intrigued because, um, because when we got to around one house away, I, was, I thought to myself, I wonder if there is a nativity scene in this house. And um, I wonder if we get a bit closer, if we can have a look. And so we got a bit closer, and I um, stopped pram, put the brake on the pram, thought, right, I'm going to have a look for this, and looked in this house. And behind one of the bushes, um, kind of a bit obscured, was this nativity scene. Um, in amongst the, the, the Santa and the reindeer and the beautiful lights and those beautiful decorations was this quite dated um, nativity scene that was sort of half behind a bush, but hard to spot from far away. And it got me thinking, um, perhaps this is a bit of an illustration, a bit of a, a picture or a metaphor of how very often um, the culture in which we live um, can picture Christmas or depict Christmas. Lots of Santa, lots of glitter, decoration, pizzazz, effort, expense. But the baby Jesus sometimes an afterthought. Sometimes the nativity scene is placed in public places um, more out of political correctness than a real conviction about the Christmas story and the Christian story. I came across an article this week and the article was entitled, intriguingly, Decaf Christmas. I don't know about you, but I like my coffee and I don't really like decaf coffee. And um, so this intrigued me. I thought, decaf Christmas, what's this article about? The article is by an Australian media commentator who happens to be Christian, Dr Justine Toth. And she writes in this article um, a really fantastic little piece about this idea. I'm going to share it with us now. She writes... For many of us today, Christmas consists of a series of rituals that possess a much-anticipated familiarity, pleasure and beauty. The season is linked with summer at the beach, spending time with friends and family, decorating the tree, exchanging presents and, for me, she writes, passing out on the couch after eating one too many of Aunt Sylvie's rissoles at Christmas lunch. Such routines are performed year in and year out, becoming the source of the wonderful memory that make up a life. <coughs> but they can sometimes leave out what you might argue is the key element of Christmas, the content of the original story. The central character is often missing. And if we don't get rid of Jesus entirely, we make him safe and inoffensive. We decaffeinate him by sentimentalising him as a paragon of babyhood through nativity scenes of the baby Jesus sleeping sweetly on a bed of straw. You can also spot this icky portrait of Jesus in the carols we sometimes sing. Silent Night says, Jesus is all tender and mild, while away in a major claims, no crying he makes, end quote. 
And as a family who have welcomed a baby and now a toddler into our house, I can tell you with certainty, babies are not like this. <laughs> there is definitely crying that they make and they are definitely not all tender and mild all the time. But if you were here last night as a hundred of us gathered to celebrate Christmas, and as you're here this morning to celebrate Christmas, we know there is so much more to the story than decorations, pizzazz, familiar routines and rituals and, and effort that goes with food and, and get-togethers. In a culture that very comfortably and sometimes even deliberately decaffeinates Christmas, we, as followers of Jesus, have good news to share. We have the full strength, single origin Christmas story. And it's good. It's really good. You see, one of the titles the Bible gives Jesus is this title that we've already sung about, Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, you could say Christmas is a four-letter word, and that word is with. With. Because the good news of Christmas and the reason that we as a church and churches all around the world get so excited to celebrate Christmas is that at this time of year we celebrate God has come near. God is with us. God is here. God is near. At Christmas, God became one of us. And, um, and God became human. He became flesh and blood and bone. And the Gospel writer John, one of the biographies of Jesus is by a guy called John, and he writes it this. He says, The Word, Jesus, became human and made his home amongst us. And so what we celebrate at Christmas is that Jesus comes into Christmas Day and redeems all things, recreates all things. God becomes bone and flesh and skin and body and moves into our neighbourhood, our street, our home to make all things new. Whereas all the other world religions say we have to find our own way to God or our own way to peace, whether it be through good deeds or a certain way of living or, or merit, the joyful news of Christmas, the joyful news that we celebrate is that God is here. God is near. God has come to us. The well-known Christian author Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, the essence of other religions is advice. Christianity is essentially news. Other religions say, this is what you have to do in order to connect with God forever. This is how you have to live in, in order to earn your way to God, get your way to God. But the gospel or the good news, which is a word we use a lot in the church, is that this is what has been done in history. This is how Jesus lived and died to earn the way of God for you. He writes, Christianity is completely different. It's joyful news. Which is why we sort of go a bit crazy singing Oh What a Glorious Night and doing crazy actions and just there's something in the room of joy because we're all realising afresh this incredible news. God is here. God is near. 
And this is why we so often talk about Christianity as a, a relationship rather than a religion. Very often um, I'll talk to friends and mother's group or other places and they'll say, say things like, oh, well, I'm not really religious like you. And I'm like, well, actually, I've got a relationship with God. And, and that is so dynamic and life-giving and, um, and real, you know, and it's not just a series of rituals or anything like that. The good news of, of Christianity and Jesus is that where we couldn't live up to God's standard, God has come to us in his son, who is God with us, Emmanuel, born on the first Christmas. God is here. God is near. There was a British conference on world religions held, and there was experts from around the world who gathered together. They were discussing whether any one belief was unique to the Christian faith. And they began eliminating possibilities and talking about what were the things that they could rule out. Was it the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? There's other religions that seem to have accounts of return from death. And this debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis wandered into the room. What's the rumpus about? He asked and heard in reply that his colleagues were discussing what made Christianity different to the other world religions. In his forthright manner, Lewis responded, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. This Christmas, let the good news sink in. The good news that Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, is born to us. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. By his grace, by his effort, he has come to us. God has made the first move. And so if you feel disqualified, you are included because of Jesus. If you feel not good enough, you are included and you are in the story. You're enveloped into the story because of this Emmanuel, God with us. If you feel you've been rejected or downtrodden, you are included because of Jesus who is God with us, who says you are in, you are part of this. Once we were far away from God, but now we've been brought near, near through Jesus, who's God's gift to the world. The great English preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, most people stumble over the truth at least once in a lifetime and move on quickly. We as a church here and joining with all the other churches in this area and around Melbourne, Australia, the world, we feel we've stumbled on the truth and we haven't moved on quickly. We continue week after week to be God's people in this city, seeking to be the presence of Jesus, a loving, grace-filled presence of Jesus in this place, in Hobson's Bay, where God's called us. And so if you're new or visiting today, I invite you let, to not stumble over the truth this Christmas, to, to let the good news sink into your heart that you are included, that you are loved and that you are enveloped into the love of Jesus because of the Christmas story and because of the Easter story and the way that we know how it ends, that Jesus is our saviour. And so this Christmas, as you eat mince pies that are delicious, as you eat your beautiful Christmas roast lunch that will be delicious, as you celebrate with family today or friends today or neighbours or whoever it is that you're going to sit across the table from, feast, celebrate, 
Revel in the amazing news that, that God, who created all things and created you, has come to us in his son Jesus to make all things new, to give us second birth. The good news of Christmas is that God is here. God steps into the beauty and the brokenness and the fragility of our lives and the ordinariness of our lives, the ordinariness of of children and mealtimes and routines and bedtimes, the ordinariness of work and neighbourhood and making money, the ordinariness of life, and he says it's good and you are good and you're worth celebrating and running after. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for the good news that Christmas is for all of us. We thank you that because you loved this world so much, the world you created, you gave your only son to the world so that whoever believes in him might have eternal life, life and life to the full, here and now and forever. We want to thank you, God, for the amazing hope of Christmas, for the amazing news we celebrate that we have a saviour, that into the brokenness of our world and of our lives, you became one of us, born as a baby to live a life of love and sacrifice for us. We just thank you for your extravagance, God, in giving us your son. We thank you that the story of Christmas satisfies all that our hearts have been aching and longing for. And that even now, in the not yet of your kingdom fully realised in the future, we have what we have been longing for in you. We ask now that you would reveal to each of us afresh your love for us. I pray now over every heart here that people who perhaps have fell on the outside may be felt excluded, excluded from, uh, from culture or friends or family or even the church would feel enveloped in your love now. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you inform each heart now that we are all loved, we are all worth running after. We want to pray now, God, for those who are struggling, who are grieving, who are walking through tough times at the moment. Be near to those in need, loving Lord. We pray for the lonely, that they might know your presence with them. We pray for the downtrodden that you would lift them up and carry their burdens. We pray and bring before you those in our lives wrestling with depression or other mental illness. We pray you would grant them hope, grant them healing. We pray for those dealing with stress and anxiety, that they might find the courage to surrender their burdens to you and find rest for their souls. We pray for a sense of hope to fill those for whom 2017 has been a difficult year. Encounter each one, God, now by your spirit. Fill us with hope. Fill us with anticipation that you are making all things new. We pray for the grief-stricken. We pray that you would wipe away their tears and fill each one with the knowledge of your presence with them. The God who is Emmanuel. We pray for the troubled and war-torn parts of our world where violence is more familiar than peace 
and where fear is more prevalent than joy. We ask that you, our Prince of Peace, would bring your healing and peace to our world and that you would invite and prompt each of us to play our part in bringing your justice and mercy to the nations through our prayer, advocacy and generosity. Give us generous hearts, Lord, as we give to Coco and the Christmas Bowl to help others in need this Christmas. We praise you, God, that you are Emmanuel, the God who is with us, the God who is here, the God who is near, the God who enters our world and our lives and invites us to experience you in real ways. We praise you for every person here today and every person who has also gathered here last night. We pray that every person who's been part of our Christmas celebrations at Willie Church would truly experience your love, Jesus, as we celebrate Christmas today. In your name we pray. Amen.